You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Thursday, August 4th, and on today's episode, we got a little bit of everything. After a couple interview podcasts, we'll finally sit down and talk some football and recruiting news and begin looking ahead as we kick off the season in just under one month. It's all coming up on the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or a variety of other platforms, or watching live or archived on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're there, and leave any comments in the chat for Chris and David while you're there. Here's a fun one. We've got a new presenting sponsor of Tech Sideline, First Bank and Trust Company, one of the nation's leading community banks. First Bank and Trust is a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia and Northeast Tennessee. With additional presence in North Carolina, they offer free checking with industry-leading bank, industry mobile banking fi financing solutions for personal agriculture, business, commercial, and mortgage needs, and more. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. Well, it's certainly good to be back. Joined alongside managing editor of TechSideline.com, David Cunningham, and lead analyst and columnist of TechSideline, Chris Coleman. Katie Adams with you here in the host chair. It's officially August. Finally, football will be played this month tonight, actually, right? There's an NFL game. I think there I is think a preseason. John Wires, yeah, somebody. Writers. Okay, so yes. NFL, I'm not gonna college watch, coming later. I know some people will be watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Virginia Tech football this month. It's more of a Florida State, Duquesne, if that's your cup of tea, Oof, go that's for not it. My cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> But it's exciting nonetheless. I feel like I was just watching Georgia win the national championship, and here we are again preparing for another season, our last season of Coastal Chaos. David, how are you holding up? Um, I'm excited. And I think I think I was actually chatting with a friend earlier um, who, uh, who uh, writes for a betting uh, organization, and he was just getting my thoughts on, on the ACC as a whole. And I said, you know what? There are so many co new coaches in the ACC. There are four in the Coastal. And there are so many good quarterbacks. Like, this is going to be, it might not be the highest quality of football, but it's going to be a fun quality of football this yeah. year. Actually, you know, just quarterbacks are so important, man, that the ACC could be a better league than, than people true. would think this year. That's a very important position. But, yeah, like you said, like, getting back it's kind of weird football is a unique sport like you and i are soccer fans and that season lasts nine or ten months and baseball season lasts six months plus another month for the playoffs and then you know basketball and hockey that you know they last over half the year football lasts like three months plus the balls and then that's it yeah and uh it's so it's it's kind of tough being a football player because you actually only get to really play your sport for about a third of the year yeah, and they spend what the entire month of August and the rest going of through fall training, camp. Oh, which is yeah. horrible. 
Yeah. So it's good to be back. Yeah. I feel like this off season was a little bit different too, because usually in the past Virginia Tech hasn't been so good at basketball and baseball and it's just been like when is football <laughs> season coming drag. next but now we had a treat this past off season with good basketball and baseball season so and, that's and softball. always ex- yeah. yes and softball all around we love it um, but before we get into the meat of the episode wanted to acknowledge the new set decor we got some tech sideline helmets one behind David and one behind myself if you're watching on YouTube um, so graciously given to us by Clark Rule and so shout out to him thank you so much for those we yeah. got everything with the helmets they look really good. and the new red shirt license plate the TSL headquarters it's the best set yet <laughs> we've had a lot of iterations of this set we have the, the, yeah the, I mean it's sad I wouldn't I wouldn't change this one very much I think it would yeah well we besides had besides the flashing light we had uh, and for, <laughs> for so long we had the uh, the Little basketball and the, uh, the, the the ACC championship confetti on there, but uh, when we had Brent Pry on, we had to put the uh, one of the TSL football helmets on, which rightfully so, it's football season. That's right. Well, before I take up any more of the time, let's jump into it. Fall camp started this week. Players reported Monday, August first, and they've now had two days of practice with a third coming later today. But following the practice yesterday, both of you had good things to say about the dynamic linebacker position this year, and you would hope that, given Coach Pry's background, um, coaching linebackers and being a defensive coordinator, what can you share about some of the guys in that room and their involvement? You know, uh, David actually got to watch this, and he put a great video of it on, on Twitter as far as the linebackers versus the running backs. And you know, I, I think there's really four linebackers that I think are really athletic guys who I think could do a really good job running with with running backs in coverage. And we saw that yesterday. Tisdale, um, you know, you had uh, Jaden Keller. J- Jenkins, Jaden Keller. And Keely Lawson. Keely Lawson. Uh, I, I think Keller is probably my favorite young linebacker in the program. I think he can do so much. He's going to play some this year at will. And I wonder if he will actually won't move to Mike next year. When Dax leaves, yeah. When yeah. Dax leaves, because I like Pry would prefer more athleticism at Mike than, than he currently has. Um, so I, I do like some of the young linebackers in the program. You know, you've got you got a sophomore there in Jenkins, and then a couple of redshirt freshmen that I think have excellent athleticism. Uh, Lawson actually had an interception later in practice. That, yeah, that, I think Hokies that, Hokies tweeted they it. Did, out. Yeah, that they did. So I think there's some. Solid young players there. Uh, it will and Sam. I, I would not say that Mike has a solid young player in in the yeah because it's three kind of it's kind of three veterans. It's Dax Hollyfield, Keyshawn Artis, and Dean Ferguson who right. missed last season with an injury. Dean did most um, of it. Yeah, yeah, but but so. Dax Hollyfield is back for his fifth or sixth season. Sixth year, I believe. And Keyshawn Artis, I believe, has a COVID year next year if he wants it. He wants it. But like just in general. Three old, much older guys where the Sam is a new position and you're dragging a couple young guys in there and, and Keonta Jenkins, Keely Lawson, and J.R. Walker's there too. From different positions. From different positions, yeah. And then Alan Tisdale, he's got a COVID year next year if he, if he wants it, but Jaden Keller is behind him and he's kind of, I would say, like you said, the rising star of this linebacker group. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, I know it's something we you've written about the – the recruiting this year, recruiting linebackers. You've got Ace and Stevens and a couple other linebackers coming in mm-hmm. um, because there are a lot of older guys that are going to be departing the program, and, and soon it'll kind of be like Jaden Keller will probably be like the face of the linebacker room come next year or two years from Not now. Not just that, but, you know, Pry wants a distinct type of linebacker, I think, and he wants to fill that room with his type of linebacker sooner rather than later. 
And I think he's doing that at, at will with Ace and Stevens. And, you know, he's targeted and got commitments from a, from a couple of guys who I would project as a Sam right now also. Um, don't know about Mike yet, which is uh, why I kind of think maybe next year Keller, if he shows that he's physical enough this year, we know he can run, we know he can cover. Um now, when you're at the will spot on the short side of the field on the boundary, you have to play in a phone phone booth a little bit to a certain extent. You got to be really, really physical. Is he going to be able to be that physical that early in his career? But you know, bright future there. Coach Pry was honest in saying that he wasn't entirely pleased with the way that the first practice went, and I think that you can appreciate that coming from a coach. He said in the past that he's not going to sugarcoat anything, and he hasn't right off the bat. Um, he mentioned that he wanted them to be more competitive, but what can y'all think of as something else that needs to be improved in the practices to come leading into the season? I would say depth at certain positions. Yeah. I think it's, some spots Tech has solid depth, but they don't at offensive tackle. Like they were playing walk-ons and, and natural offensive guards back in the spring at offensive oh, tackle. Exactly. Yeah, was, I think they've worked on some of that this summer. Yeah, but. got Xavier Chaplin is a massive human being. <laughs> I mean, he makes uh, Silas Janzi look small to a certain extent. He's probably 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, and about 350 pounds. And he's getting he, he's playing left tackle right, yeah. right now, and I would be surprised if he didn't factor into the 2D. I believe so, he was a, a third-string left Yeah, they're going to start him off yeah. with the third, third group, of course, as a true freshman. But they have to improve that depth, that offensive tackle, because you know if the season started tomorrow and either Janzi or Parker, Parker Clements got hurt, like I don't know how much the offense could actually function if they had to bring in one of their current backup. It'd probably be Bob so Bob Schick. That I and, that's scary, and because yeah. he's a guard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like he. I think, believe he was getting reps at with the twos at, at left, at tackle, left tackle, tackle. And it but, was right. But that's the problem. I think. I think the offensive line is kind of one of those areas where, um, where Tech has so many guards. And it's helpful when you need guys to play center, mm-hmm. but they've got Johnny Jordan at center, so they don't need another center necessarily right now. Yeah, they got like three and, guys that could play center. Yeah, and then they've got all these guards, and they've got so few guys that are experienced playing tackle. I think I think depth as a whole, you know, and we see it like on the defensive line too, defensive end and, and tackle. You know, we kind of know. Okay, Josh Fuga, Norrell Pollard, Mario Kendricks; those are kind of going to be the three up front. I'm interested to see how how much progress some of the young guys um, like Gunnar Givens makes, you know, throughout the fall camp and, and so far this summer. But like we know, Wilford Panay is going to be up there. But I think as a whole, like Taiwan Garbett's locked down one end spot. The other end spot's kind of open. You assume maybe Jalen Griffin, but um, but that that depth, as I've told many people, Tech, I think as a whole, the starting 22, it's a pretty good team. Once you get into that too deep, it becomes a little bit risky. And I think just building up the depth more, getting the young guys more um, acclimated to college, I, I think that is going to be crucial throughout fall camp. You mentioned earlier those practice videos that you posted out and the emotion in Coach Pry's voice. It was certainly good to hear. Were there any players that you heard like stepping up as vocal leaders? I don't, you know, they put us like they put us over on the sideline, yeah. okay. so we're not close enough to the players to really hear what they're saying. Yeah, but, but it's also it, I feel like that's that part of fall camp, like what we observed. It's so I don't want to say close up, but they're drills. It's not like like that. I think was a a special occurrence where you're seeing at the, at the same time there were 
uh, wide receivers going up against DBs in the indoor. Yeah, I was watching um, that. And he was watching that while I was watching the running backs and linebackers. But in the end, it's all drills. It's not, you know, it's kind of like the, the the staff saying, okay, hey, do this. And it's not, like, they're, they're energetic about it, but it's, besides a little bit of chirping back and forth, you know, they're not, it, it's not like they have to dictate what, or step up as a leader and say, hey, you guys need to be doing this because they got coaches there to tell them. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's plenty of older players on this team. Though. Yeah. I mean, Dax is obviously going to be a vocal guy. Jamari Connor, who we talked to yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how vocal he'll be. Well, but, but yeah. yeah. Um, and offense, you've got some older guys, too. You've got your Janzies. You've got your Johnny Jordans. Caleb Smith is a guy who yeah. who I think, I mean, they took him down to Charlotte for a reason. And he, 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 and he was well-spoken. Yeah, he did a great job. And so, you know, and I think – He's a hard worker who came here as a walk-on and earned a scholarship. So people in that locker room will respect him. So I think he's a candidate for that, too. Okay. Lots of new faces on the team, whether it's freshmen or transfers. Someone that fits into a category of his own is Cole Beck. Chris, I know you were covering the team when he initially committed to Virginia Tech out of high school. Then he was a running back. Now he's a wide receiver. Thoughts on him? Yeah, he came in and redshirted. And I believe he broke his collarbone his very first semester on, yeah, on that campus. That sounds right, yeah. Because yeah, he came in in class yeah. of 2018, and then he redshirted, and then he was on the roster in 2019, uh, I believe. I don't know if he was actually on the roster in 2019, but he broke his collarbone at some point. Basically, all right, so you have to keep your expectations in check for, for Colbeck. All right, so <laughs> he, uh, he has not played football, and he's not played in a football game in five years. And now you're asking him to play a position that he's never played before. Okay, like uh, that's very, very difficult to do. Uh, I, he's got a tr- he's got a lot of speed, no question. Um, I don't think he catches it naturally, as far as like turning his body and then making a catch or catching it in traffic. I would not be comfortable throwing a slant to him over in the middle, where he's got to put his hands up in the air and catch it with a lot of defenders around him. I feel like. Passes to the flat in the, on the outside when nobody's around him. Get him space. Uh, try to find some ways to maybe get him open deep where he's not in traffic. I feel like those are the ways. Like you can use Colbeck um, because speed is an asset, but he's not going to be somebody who's going to come in here and be in the two deep at wide receiver and and have the knowledge of the passing tree where he's able to go out there and you know when you're a wide receiver you could be running one of four different routes on a play, depending on how you read the defense. And Beck's not going to be able to do that after playing after one preseason yeah. when he's never played receiver and he hasn't played football, hadn't played in a football game in five years to begin with. But I do think uh, he'll he'll be a good tool to utilize. He can be, yeah, absolutely. And you can use him as a kickoff uh, returner too. And and let me say this, like he's really, he's done a great job, I think, in, in the weight room preparing for football season because it's a big, being in track shape and being in football shape, having a track body and having a football body it's are two different yeah. things. I personally think he's made more progress in the weight room the last three or four months than a few of our past players you know who i'm talking about made in four years at virginia tech yeah. uh so i i think he's done a great job getting himself ready but I, I do think because of all those other factors like you have to limit your expectations i do think he's going to be play a specialized role for virginia tech but he's not going to be out there for 30 40 50 snaps in a game 
So lots of new additions, but unfortunately, attrition is also inevitable in football. Feldarius Payne, the defensive end transfer from Nebraska, likely out for the season. You hate to lose anyone, but I think that we can still be excited about the defensive end room with guys like you said, Taiwan Garbett, Eli Adams, Jalen Griffin, among others. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think Payne was going to come in and certainly compete for a starting job. And if he wasn't the second defensive end, he would have been the third defensive end. He's an experienced guy. They were also probably going to slide him down uh, to defensive tackle on third and long in obvious passing situations yeah. to get some more quickness uh, on the field as far as a pass rush goes. Um, to me, that that's Cole Nelson's is, is now the starter. Cole, I was um, going to say Cole Nelson. You got CJ McCray in there. Those are probably yeah, the, the yeah. four or five. There, big there's some names. young guys in there. Um, Cole Nelson was the starter in the spring before he got hurt and missed the last four or five practices in the spring game. He was the he was the starter opposite Garbutt, and I think that will continue. You know, when I went down to Charlotte, I asked some of the players to name some young players in the program that are standing out to them more than anybody else that have really good futures. And I always like asking players that question rather than saying, what do you think about this guy? Or what are you thinking about that guy? Because they're always going to give you positive answers. They're not, if they don't think somebody's good, they're not going to tell you, yeah, that guy stinks, right? They're going to start, they're going to be positive. So, but when you ask them, Hey, name some guys that you think are going to be really good. Um, Silas Shanzi named C.J. McCray, and he named Cole Nelson. He's got to go up against those guys on a daily basis. And, and you know, Dax also named uh, McCray. Yeah. Um, Silas Janzi, who, you know, offensive tackle, he's used to blocking Cole Nelson. He said, Nelson is exceptionally strong, and he's tough as nails. That's what that came from veteran 60-year player Silas Janzi, who probably ought to know what he, he knows what he's talking about yeah. by now. So I, I feel good about some young defensive ends in, in the program. And yes, you're right. Even with the loss of pain, I, I don't I don't think Tech has like a true sack master at that position, we'll say. And, and you know, Tech fans are used to you know, in the nineties coming up where every year somebody had ten or twelve or sometimes yeah. even like eighteen sacks like Corey Moore, but I don't think Tech has had a defensive end get double digit sacks since it's probably Daryl Tapp. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that that, that doesn't really happen anymore. Time. But uh so I don't think like somebody's gonna come out there and, and, and be like first team all ACC and get double digit sacks, but I do think it'll be a solid group though. Yeah. And, and I think it's a it's a group that considering I think the most talented players the most physically gifted players of that group are a couple of are a couple of the youngest Young players. Guys. So I think that group's going to get better steadily over the next few years. That's what I was going to add. So you've got Tywin Garbett, Jalen Griffin, and Eli Adams. Those are kind of the oldest guys in the room. Then you've got kind of the rest, and there there's kind of a, a little bit of a gap because it's C.J. McCray, Cole Nelson, Mateus Carroll, Jordan McDonald, um, and then the two freshmen, um, Burgos and Moyston. Mm-hmm. So there's a clear gap between the three oldest guys in the room that have kind of stuck around for a really long time and then the rest. And you're going to see probably Carol, um, Nelson, and McCray kind of separate themselves. And obviously Nelson will get get a lot of playing time, and the other two probably will too. But um, but for the future, it'll kind of give those other two two or three young guys that have you know McDonald transferred or moved over from the position. Yeah recently i guess in the spring so um you don't have to play guys before they're ready yeah they'll have time to develop and stuff so i think as a whole very young leaning room but i think it's a it's a pretty solid room pain would have added a lot of depth but uh you know that's football those are injuries 
We've talked a lot about the defense. I don't think that's criminal to say that the defense is going to be the shining the shining spot of this team and compared to the offense. But like you said, you guys both went down to Charlotte and got to hear from guys like Caleb Smith and Silas Janzi, who are part of the offense. What other guys on offense should we look for in this year? I, I really like Malachi Thomas and what he did last year. I think he's a natural runner, and I think he's a good fit for the inside zone which Virginia Tech will run a lot a lot of this year. And you remember the two long runs he had against Syracuse last yeah. year. They were both those inside plays. And I, I just think he's got good vision. Um, he doesn't have, like, elite speed like Lee Suggs, but his body build and his vision kind of remind me a bit of Lee Suggs. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next Lee Suggs, but, I, I mean, for what he did as a true freshman was, was impressive. Uh, uh, he's filled out a little bit more this year and he'll continue to do so as uh as his career progresses but uh so to me he's a guy that i think could support he's he could be a sneaky pick for like 1000 yard rusher this year i yeah. think he's a good player yeah i would say so we we talked to caleb smith a lot and uh you know the the same duo or, or trio of of Dwayne Dwayne Lofton, Jalen Jones and Dallin Wright that's kind of been the, the trio that um, has gotten a lot of praise, praised by Fuente staff, and and now praised by this staff. And Caleb Smith mentioned those those guys, and I'm interested to see. Brent Pride did mention yesterday after practice that the wide receiver room has take has made some strides. He didn't say how you know what the strides were, but <laughs> but he did say they've taken strides, and he did say Fontel Mines, a wide receiver coach, has been doing a good job of them. So right. I'm interested to see. We know that Caleb Smith and then Temple transfer Jaden Blue. We know those are going to be the two options, whether they're one or two. But Tech is going to need Dwayne Lofton, Dallin Wright, Jalen Jones, those guys, Christian Moss, to step up. You know, Tucker Holloway, Benji Gosnell, you know, some of the, there's a lot of young guys in that room. But there are a couple guys that have been in the program for two ish, three years now. Those are the guys that, you should be seeing, I would think, some development in now. And with a new offensive coordinator, new system, new wide receiver coach, you would think, and from what it sounds like, those guys are making strides. And I'm interested to see how much of an impact they can have this year because it cannot just be Smith and Blue. Besides strength and conditioning and things like that, my biggest pet peeve about this program has been wide receiver development. And I have seen them develop since the spring. I didn't think... They were very good at all at the beginning of the spring, and I thought they were better at the end of the spring, and I thought they were better yesterday yeah, than they were at the end I of the agree spring. With that. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to go out there and dominate the league, but it's what I've always said. You, you sometimes people think there's no talent, but a lot of the times it's just because your talent isn't being properly developed. And I, I think you've seen that the case with, with, with some players at Virginia Tech that they were receivers and they didn't get better over the course of their careers. And, uh, you know, when I asked Caleb Smith down in Charlotte, you know, well, first of all, all three players down in Charlotte, the first name they mentioned when I asked about young players was Lofton. Yeah. So first guy they mentioned, but they, and then they said, but I think most Tech fans know who he is. Because I did, asked he him, did have a couple big, yeah. like I, he had a couple big catches in the Miami game right. last year. Right. But, uh, Caleb Smith mentioned Christian Moss. Yeah. Said he's tall, he's fast, and he's got good strength. He's just got to, you know, learn how to play and everything like that. And sure, sure enough, I saw him catch a deep ball for a touchdown yesterday. And I saw Dallin Wright catch a deep ball for a touchdown. And I saw 
Tucker Holloway get behind DJ Harvey and burn him for a touchdown, and the quarterbacks were putting the ball with the money on yeah. those deep passes. I will say the quarterbacks uh, said we're throwing the ball that, really well yeah, yesterday. Well, yeah, like, and I, I've said that since I thought since since Brown, Jason Brown transferred in and Grant Wells transferred in, like. If we can't make any plays down the field this year, it's not going to be the quarterback's fault because they've got plenty of arm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen as far as their development goes. And I'm not again, I'm not saying we're going to have a first team or even a second team All ACC player in there, but but that group has gotten better collectively since the start of the spring. So that's 17 practices total, and I think they've made a lot of strides from practice one to practice 17. Yeah, and I think. I think the biggest thing in, in year one for Brent Pry offensively, when you're still trying to build it and you're still trying to develop the young guys so they can be your future, because you know right now the the building block is all of the old veterans that have stuck around, you know that stuck around to help build up the culture for this season. Caleb Smith, Silas Janzi, you know some of those older guys, Jalen Holston, right? Well, you've got really good talent in the running back room like Malachi Thomas. Okay, but if the def- if defenses you're facing know you're going to run the ball every single time, it's not going to work, right? It needs to be a balance. Mm-hmm. And if and if you can get some balance out of Lofton, Wright, Moss, Jones that help Caleb Smith and Jaden Blue. So it's, you know, and you've also got a really strong tight end room. If it can be a balanced offense, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be really good, but if it can just be a non-one-dimensional where you don't have to run the ball every single time, I think that's going to go a long way, especially when it comes to development and being able to get guys on the field. That kind of leads me to my next question. Obviously, lots more to come as fall camp continues and football media day is next week. David and Chris, I'm sure you'll both be there. Um, But the ACC preseason poll and preseason team selections were announced last week. Virginia Tech picked to finish fifth in the Coastal, their lowest ranking since joining the conference. Also didn't have anyone selected on the all-ACC preseason team. Obviously, it is preseason, so you don't read into it too much. But does Virginia Tech have a chance to kind of flip the script and make a name for themselves, or is that just the reality with the new coach? Oh, uh, you know, I I think they can be a good team this year. I think depending on turnovers, injuries, uh, whether they convert their red zone trips into touchdowns or field goals, things like that, like little things, I think they can go anywhere between four and eight and eight and four. Yeah. Based on those, I mean, you look at look at last look at last year's team. They were two plays away from going four and eight. Mm-hmm. They were three plays away from going nine and three. And so if everything had gone right for Virginia Tech football last year and all those close games, they would have gone nine and three. If everything had gone wrong, they would have gone four and eight. And I think you can say that for a lot of teams. I mean, the way the talent is stacked at the top of college football these days, you know, we complain about parity because only a few teams have a chance to compete for a national title. And that's true enough. But I, I, I do think that makes things a little more even in the middle for everybody else. I think there are more teams like Virginia Tech. That, that are so that are close to being good and also close to being not so good. So that's why it's important to be good at the little things. That's why player development is is so important. If our player development was just a little bit better, we could have gone eight and four last year. I think just a little bit better. Um, so, I, and I but I think you can I think you can make an argument a strong argument for Virginia Tech finishing anywhere between third and fifth in the Coastal Division. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Miami's the clear cut number one. I can definitely see why. People would pick Pitt number two, but 
I even could take some some issues with that because they lost their best quarterback since Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. They lost their best wide receiver since Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And and you're going to put them in the top 20? It just doesn't seem like Pitt is the type of program that reloads year by year after that. And, and their recruiting isn't good either. Right. So to speak. They're now, well, Transfer they, portal is better. Their player development is awesome. Yes. Like people always, com- like our fans complain about tech recruiting and we almost always have a higher rank recruiting class than Pitt. Yet they and Wake Forest, yes, in. they were both in the right. Ex- exactly, and because they develop players. Reminder: Virginia Tech has to go to formerly Heinz Field this. At year. least it's not Heinz Field. Yeah. What is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's, how not, it's some it. long name, and we're going to call it Heinz Field forever. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. but no, I think, I think, I think the good thing is, and this kind of plays into Virginia Tech's hands. You know, there are three programs that did not turn over head coaches in the Coastal: North Carolina, Pitt, and Georgia Tech. Somehow. Um, after this year, different story. Yes. Georgia yeah. Tech, oh, prayers but, but so it's four first-year head coaches, right? Tony Elliott's kind of in the same situation as Brent Bry. He's still, you know, trying to learn the ropes and, and get his program where oh, he wants did you to hear, be. Let me, let me, let me okay. hijack. So they had their big barbecue this past weekend at UVA for their recruiting. Cav cookout, yeah. if you will. Yeah, guess how many players showed, how many recruits showed up? I'm scared to ask. One. <laughs> they organized a whole barbecue for one recruit that he felt oh, special. No. Uh, Interesting. That's well, funny. So there was this huge thread. There's this, there's this the Twitter boards? message board geniuses, uh, that Twitter oh, account. Yeah. So they found a bunch of UVA posts from, from one of their boards and, and, and fans. They're really like, they're, I'm not going to say the fan base is turning on Tony Elliott, but the people who play pay close attention to recruiting are really mad at Tony Elliott right now. Wow. Anyway. 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 <laughs> You got Mike Elko at Duke, Mario Cristobal at Miami. All these head coaches are in the same spot. Cristobal has the advantage. One, it's Miami. But two, he's been a head coach many other places before. But I do think it's kind of an open coastal division. Like, As always. Like, it, That's the last year of coastal craziness. Yeah, or last year of coastal chaos. chaos. It is, yeah. it, I mean, it usually is an open division. But... Like I picked Pitt just because they have the most guys returning and they didn't have a coaching turnover. And you don't trust Miami. And I don't trust Miami. You're not falling for the trap this year, but <laughs> yeah. I am. So. Yeah. But, but but I do think that like <clears throat> I think it'll come down to injuries. Yeah. Number one, turnovers and all the other little things will be right behind it. But like, you know, Virginia Tech can stay healthy. Like the Hokies had so many guys injured last year, yeah. left and right, and then like it, you know. You think about it, James Mitchell had never gotten hurt. We probably would have won the West Virginia game. James, probably you're right. Other yeah. games. That's like, the thing. James, right. James Mitchell got hurt in the second game of the season. Braxton Burmeister was hurt most the of the season. season. Yeah. Half the offensive line was hurt half the year. So, like, you know, even Trey Turner, you know, got hurt multiple times. I mean, there were you could go down the list and it's injury, injury, injury. That's just part of the game. You know, like he said earlier, if Parker Clemens or Silas Janzi gets hurt, we're going to be in, it's going to be a long season. But if Tech can stay primarily healthy, and I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how that holds up, I think Tech can be pretty good. I, I think, you know, Tech's not going to go out and, and steamroll anybody, and they're not going to go out and really surprise anybody, I don't think. But, but I do think that Brent Pry wants to just get back to hard nosed football, and I do think it's possible but like if you got you know if you don't have much depth behind your starters and your starters get injured there's only so many places you can go and you asked about preseason players mm-hmm. the only preseason player i held on my ballot from tech was parker 
or Parker, Peter, Peter Moore. Moore. I was going to say Parker Romo, uh, Peter Moore. Yeah. The punter. And, uh, you know, I don't really think anybody else, I don't want to say didn't deserve it, but I think there's not necessarily any all ACC caliber players that are better than the other players up for vote at other schools. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of what is left in the program that Brent Pry's working with. Yeah. Uh, no, you project improvement. That's uh, true, yes. Like, uh, Who I, has the highest ceiling? I think, Maybe I think, I'll ask I that. think the right side of Virginia Tech's offensive line, Park, uh, Parker Clements, Caden Moore. Moore. Those yeah. guys started every game as true freshmen last year for what turned out to be a good offensive line. Yeah. And they played well. And, you know, assuming they progress, which, uh, yeah, that's been an issue with certain positions for Virginia Tech the last few years uh, of players not developing. But that hasn't been in a case with the offensive line. And, you know, Joe Rudolph's going to be developing those guys, and he's got a great history at Wisconsin. So I think either one of those guys is a candidate to be on some all-ACC yeah. team at the end of the year. Um, I think Malachi Th- Thomas is a candidate. I, I think Dorian Strong is, is a good player. Yeah, uh, I think Chapman's a good player. Um, I'm really interested to see the safeties because Virginia Tech safeties have a habit over the last few years of starting their careers off strong and then either not progressing or flat out getting worse. And uh, I, I, I think there's more talent than that. Um, so if those guys start going in the, in the right direction, like, you know, you saw Nasir Peoples go out and dominate North Carolina last year and then – it was just a steady decline for him the rest of the season. Um, I know he's more talented than that, though, because if he, if, he if he can play that well against those UNC receivers, then he can play well against yeah. anybody. Um, so I, I want to see those guys start moving in the right direction. Like, Tech went 6-6 six and six last year, and that was with player development at approximately 50% of the positions not being good. Yeah. Let's say where player development is now at least decent at every position. I mean, they could get considerably better this yeah. year. Yeah, and I think, I think by the end of the season when we're sitting down talking about it, I think Tech will probably have two or three at least all ACC guys because I think they will reap the benefits of this new player development and how good it is. I mean, I wrote an entire feature on just Dwight Galt in the weight room and the culture and everything, and and I know wrote another one on the sports science and the tech is investing so much into player development and that side of it that they're going to get better. But of course, when everybody does these ballots, everybody's looking at last season and what you've done in the past. And, you know, it's not a projection based thing when it comes to players. It's more of a, okay, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, I'm not surprised that no tech players got picked just because that, you know, no tech player really stood out last year. No, at the same time, you know, we're we're paying close to the attention to this and taking those lists seriously, but at the same time, Georgia Tech got a first place vote. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, who was voting? That's in these the same polls person that. Days? That's probably the same person <laughs> that. We got don't know in, if they're even going to win a game this year. That's probably the right, same person crazy. that got into SEC media days and gave a Vanderbilt. SEC title vote for <laughs> Vanderbilt. Yeah, so it's it's just. I don't know. So you, so you look at some of those voting habits and you're like, uh, I don't know. So wasn't like nine different teams got a pick to win the ACC like this that. year, yeah. um, which I don't quite like We buy. know you genuinely don't I, think that. Yeah, I, I could genuinely vote for Clemson. I could genuinely vote for NC State. I could genuinely vote for Miami, maybe Pitt. Wake Forest. Uh, maybe Wake, but 
four to five teams. Nine, nine teams do not. Yeah, have a I mean, like I think Virginia league. got a vote. Yeah, yeah. So like I don't even know who's doing these voting anymore, and whether we should even take it seriously. I know you vote, but yeah, I voted for NC State. Your, your votes were acceptable. Your, your, your votes could make it make sense. Yeah, yeah. Georgia Tech. And I, you I think I really Tech, have to come up. I'm pretty with sure something. I had Georgia Tech deadline. Like I would love, I would, yeah. I mean, I, pr- <laughs> I probably would too. Either them or Duke. But I would love to hear the reasoning beside picking Georgia, yeah. Georgia Tech first place. I just, I don't get Doesn't it. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a shorter episode, so we're going to keep going and not take a break. But I want to take a look at this schedule because it's not an easy schedule. The fact that the crossover this year is NC State at NC State, that doesn't help. West Virginia coming after losing up there, that doesn't help. And then ODU and Liberty are certainly not cupcake games. Um, So this is a two-part question. First question is, which game does Virginia Tech have the best chance to get a signature win in? Uh, You know, I guess it depends. Depends on what you consider Define a signature, signature win. win. Anytime you say, win in Pittsburgh, I think is a signature win for Virginia Tech. Maybe mm-hmm. probably not a signature win for like as far as national media and things like that goes. Um, I think people would pay attention if we beat NC State on the road on a Thursday night. I also consider that the least likely win of the yes. year because I think NC State is is really good. Um, I don't think people are going to be fooled by by North Carolina again this year. So I don't. If Virginia Tech wins that game, I don't think that'll fool anybody into thinking that's a signature win. So I don't. I don't know. Like NC State would be a signature win. I just don't think it's likely. Um, Pitt. I don't know. Like let's look at West Virginia and Miami. Those are yeah. Two I was going to say. Games. I think well, yeah, Miami. So Miami. So uh, Miami. You a think good, they're more likely to beat Miami than West Virginia? No, it was. It's just that I don't consider West Virginia a signature win. Okay. Like yeah. their coach is on the hot seat. Very true. Like like, did yeah. they even finish five hundred last year? Uh, they probably finished at five. At yeah. five hundred. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So my whole so. thing is I can't. Like if you go down the schedule and say signature wins, it's NC State. And that's like, <laughs> like maybe you could, Miami, you Miami. Could, you could maybe be, yeah. convince me Pitt and Miami. If they depend- hold up their end of the state. Okay, if they if hold they don't exactly. know. Yeah. yeah, but but so like right now, like I think Tech could beat Miami at home. I don't think that's too far fetched. I think Tech could beat West Virginia. I I think NC State's the game Tech probably won't win. I think I Tech beating Pitt at Pitt would be huge. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so never do it. rare, yeah. But I, but I think just <laughs> it's like I remember exactly where I was the last time Tech won in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> yeah. where I was. Uh, that was like 2015 or 16, right? It was Fuente's first. It was the oh, it was the, the lob Ford. to it was the lob to all, Isaiah yeah. Ford, all, all Bucky Hodges, and yeah. Phillips. All three receivers had over 100 yards. I do receiver. remember where yeah. I was. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think I think just in general, it's like marquee wins with this schedule are going to be so tough to come by. But I do think there are a lot of chances for a lot of good, like quality wins because like, you know, assuming boss, assuming Phil Dracovic doesn't get hurt again, I think Boston college will be a seven, be a seven or eight win team, right? They have star power. Because, like, like, think Zay about a quarterback and a wide receiver. Yeah. They have right. That's what power. I mean. And I, they I have think, experience. I think some, I think some know. of these teams will be, I think the ACC will, like, assuming, you know, if Boston College doesn't get played with injuries, I think Boston College would be an all right team. That'd be a good win for Virginia Tech. Brent Price, first ever win in Lane Stadium. Oh, heck yeah. That'd be a be great, great first game. win at night. You know, I, I think 
some of these teams, like North Carolina, I'm not really sure how, how well to judge North Carolina because they've had so much talent in recent years. They're capable. And haven't been able to do anything. But when's the last time a Mac Brown coach team, whether at North but Carolina will, or Texas, actually lived up to the hype? Yeah, I will say, <laughs> I will say getting a win in Chapel Hill would be big. You know, so I, I think... I feel like it's not hard to win at Chapel Hill is the only thing. Well, what, last but Virginia time, Tech fans love to beat North last, Carolina nonetheless. Last oh, time yeah. Tech went to Chapel Hill was the game Tech the barely... The COVID game where... Oh, I don't even remember that. Have, like, yeah. Oh, play. yeah. We, we, yeah. we were playing Tisdale at Rover. We were yeah. out yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. Sad. I've watched that So brain. we don't count that I've watched game, the COVID yeah. season. Remember? Yeah. Well, the last game I remember was the one in... The hurricane game? No, no. 2018. It was the one in 2018. The Ryan Willis fourth down scramble. Ryan Will. Well, when North Carolina was about to score and they got down to the goal line. And fumbled. And then, uh, I forget who it was, punched punched the ball straight up in the air and Tech grabbed it and then went, went down the field and it was like Ryan Willis roll out. Like little back yeah. screen to Dalton yeah. Keene in the end zone a for the game. 90 yard, 14 point yeah. swing. Somehow. Was I, was there. I, was, I was at that game. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I just remember being mind blown. But I, I do think like this is a solid first schedule for Brent Pry. And there are a lot of winnable games. You know, you're not necessarily, it's not like you're going, you got to go to Miami. It's a very travel easy schedule. Um, Absolutely. You know, you get UVA at home. Like, it, the NC State game, that's the big one, just because NC State should be a top 10 or top 15 team, you would think. And it's a Thursday night game. And it's a Thursday night yeah. game in Raleigh. But yeah. um, but I think in general, there are a lot of good opportunities where if you if you went down the list and said, Virginia Tech wins this game, I'd be like, that's not, that's not a bad win, you know? Now, speaking of UNC, Katie lived in Chapel Hill this I summer. Did. You know the, the saying, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> Katie was the spy. Next summer, we're going to send David to Morgantown, probably, to spend the summer. Morgantown? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding David. But no, how, 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 was, how was Chapel Hill? I loved it a lot. As much as I hate to say, I had a really great time in Chapel Hill. Going in, I thought that it was kind of like the same size as Blacksburg town-wise, but Chapel Hill's downtown scene versus Blacksburg's Main Street, I think Chapel Hill is like three times the size. It's much bigger, yeah. They have a lot more dining and restaurants and bars and shopping and things like that, so I loved it. The plan is to hopefully go there for grad school and sports administration, and that is if I get in. So that was kind of a test run this summer to see if I enjoyed it. (laughs) but on the on the other end of the stick, you would say that the game that you're least confident in winning is at NC, NC State. State yeah. I think so, just because I mean I think they're going to be the best team in the in the conference. He thinks so. Yeah, I mean they, they might be. Like, well, I think I think if they're not three, one, they're, they're if they're not one, they're probably two. Yeah, they're they're very good. I mean, they're well coached. Yeah, like I think it's mostly just because I have questions about Clemson. That's fair. I mean, when you lose both coordinators, that's and uh, you don't know how good your quarterback's going to be. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So what does this team need to do for it to be a successful season under year one, Brent Pry? I, I just want to see player development. Like, uh, I, and I don't. If I see player development, I, I think we'll we'll feel good about the number of wins Tech Tech gets this year. Uh, I, I just want to get to the end of the season and say, okay, these players are, are better now than they were when Brent Pry took over. Um, that that's what we lost the last few years. Like. Justin Fuente's last staff at Memphis was better than his last staff at Virginia Tech because when he lost Holman Wiggins, he couldn't replace him. Um, when he lost uh, Galen Scott, 
He, he, he didn't replace him. Um, yeah. When, I mean, you just go down the list of, yeah, of yeah, guys. Right. But, when but, he lost Bud Foster. Of course he, of course he wasn't going to be able to replace yeah, Bud Foster to a certain extent. You know, and just, I think Justin Hamilton right. did fine. Right, right. But, but like, I think Hamilton did fine as a defensive coordinator, yeah. per se. I just don't know about the safety development and, a, and the linebacker development for, for, for to, to that point. But, you know, it, his running backs coach at uh, Memphis is the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Yeah. Right. Uh, Daryl Dickey. Um, he had oh, obviously uh, Odom as a defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach in the SEC at yeah. Missouri. So Justin Fuente's last staff at Memphis was as better than his last staff at Virginia Tech. So as he started losing those key pieces throughout his tenure, our player development, which was pretty good at first in his tenure, just dropped off yeah. a cliff. So I, that's I want I want to see it start start going in the right direction. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech has all the tools. I mean, again, we've written about it. We've talked about it. The sports science, the nutrition, the weight room, the new student, student athlete performance center, all the tools are there. They just kind of have to put it all together. And I, I think that that's a good point. Um, I think on the field, a successful season is going to a bowl game. I, I, I honestly, I genuinely think, and it was interesting because I asked Caleb Smith, um, you know, kind of what what goals like for the team he had this year. He's like, I want to win a bowl game. He's like, Virginia Tech hasn't won a bowl game since the Belk Bowl against Arkansas. Oh wow, that is yeah. Like he's like, I want to win a bowl game, and you know, I do think that would get the program off on on the right track. I think winning six at least six games and getting to a bowl game is is a good start, considering where how empty the the cupboard was when Brent probably got here, you know, and how there's not that much depth. If, if we can tell improvement, uh, in depth, like depth built up both throughout fall camp. And once we get into the season, that guys like, you know, you just go down the list of younger guys that will, will have an impact in the next couple of years, but are showing signs of it now. I, I think that will be good. Um, but I think just in general, you know, if you can show on the field, if you can get six or so wins, if you can go to a bowl game, if you can show kind of the trajectory on the field that your program is heading, because everybody just looks at wins and losses, you know, I, I think that will help in terms of recruiting and making the program more attractive. And I think that goes a long way. We'll talk a little recruiting, do some fan questions, and then we'll get out of here. The Richmond Pipeline has been running strong right now. Fontel Mines is doing a great mm -hmm. job recruiting that area. It's kind of been a little bit of a hotbed for the Hokies as of late versus the 757, which you would hope it would be all those years in the past. Um, picked up two commits um, this past July from that area. Christian Williams, a wide receiver out of Collegiate, and Cameron Felt. Cameron Fleming, a cornerback out of Trinity. Thoughts on those guys? Huge fan of Fleming, personally. I think he's got the physical strength already to play right away. Um, from a build standpoint, he reminds me of Armani Chapman. He could end up playing safety or corner in college. But, uh, you know, I, I think you could make a strong argument that Virginia Tech will end up signing the best two corners in the state between him and Braylon Johnson, and they're both from Richmond. Um, I'll, Williams, I, I think he could play wide receiver or DB. Uh, he's got to add strength. That that that's his main thing. But but he's a quality athlete from from a good school in Richmond. I'm I'm happy to see Virginia Tech doing well in Richmond. Richmond is is of the three main areas in Virginia. Richmond is the area that 
I always see more Virginia Tech stickers in Richmond than I do the 757 or Nova. Like Nova, yes, I understand that there's Hokies in Nova, but it's so many people from the other part of the country living in Northern Virginia, right? It's, it's really too, it's tough to identify with, with Northern Virginia because half, over half the people that live there aren't actually from there. They just moved like. there for work. They just moved there for work. <laughs> yeah. R- Richmond's different. Like, if you're from Richmond, you're from Richmond for the most part. And I am from Richmond. You're from Richmond. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the 757 is its own animal. But, you know, I've always felt like Virginia Tech's best chance in the state of Virginia, uh, where I feel like Virginia Tech can be sold the best in the state of Virginia, is, is with Richmond people. So I'm really happy to see the focus going there. Yeah. Um, can we talk? Should we talk about Brett Pry on stage announcing Cameron? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's right. Because that was hilarious. Oh yeah. Uh, were I, you in, I, were you in the room? I had point? the article written up in advance, right? Because uh, this we knew, always happens to you. Uh, we, we, we we knew we knew Fleming was going to uh, commit to Tech, but we we knew his press conference started at like two at a school. But we didn't. Pry started at two fifteen. Well, I mean, and Fleming was going to commit at two. Fleming, Fleming's. Yeah, but his ceremony. Oh, started yeah, his at ceremony two. started. So too. we didn't know whether the commitment was was going to take place at, at two o two or two twenty five, or depending on how, how the ceremony, how long the ceremony took. So after like fifteen minutes, I'm like, you know, well, I'm just waiting for the announcement to be made so I can click submit on my article. Yeah, publish. Yeah. Never happened. Finally, I leave and I'm like, I'm just going to go listen to Pry talk. And of course, as soon, basically, as soon as I sit down and and Pry starts that, talking, that's what Fleming commits. Yeah, and, yeah. and Brent Pry's up on stage. Oh, we just got another commit, right. and it's like tw- probably two twenty, like five yeah. minutes into his press conference and, or something. And, and this is fine because it all it's going to work out for Virginia Tech. Now, I'll tell you a similar story about one that I spent an hour on on a Friday night one. I know it was a, a Saturday. Yeah, it was, it was a Saturday, actually. It was this defensive tackle, and I don't even remember, remember his name. He was good. He was committing on a radio show at a certain time. So I, I, I get online, get on the radio station. I think it was like six or seven o'clock on a Saturday night in the summer. I'm like, I've got much better things to do than listen to what this 17 year old thinks he's going to school. But anyway, uh, so I, I do it anyway. And for the first 15 minutes, the radio host talks to his high school coach about the player. And then they take a break and they come back and they interview the player for like 30 minutes about recruiting. So here we are, it's like 745 and he still hasn't made an announcement after there's like two or three commercial breaks. Finally, they come back like after like an hour or a little more, he makes his announcement. So I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally he announces. He didn't even go. Oh, and in, in early December, he got a Florida offer and decommitted and signed with Florida. And I'm like, what a waste of a perfectly good s- Saturday summer night. You wasted like an yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah. No, that one worked out. And it was it yeah. was funny because it got, you know, all of the, the national media that was there yeah. got aroused from national and media. That wasn't planned, by the way. But, but I don't the, know. Well, 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 we asked Brent Pry, and Brent well, Pry, he kind of had a smirk on his did, face. Did, but did he I, really? I, 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 see, it's, I think it's tough from, from Fleming's perspective. To, to know my exactly. Guess, my guess is when he is, walked up on stage, he hadn't gotten the commitment yet, and he said, all right, text me, and, yeah, and right. then I will make then, the I, then I will make a scene. Yeah, yeah, because, because uh, yeah, because he, he definitely knew, you know. They some, knew, the, they the, knew the times were going to coincide to a certain yeah, extent. But anyway, it was yeah. it was a show, and to your point, to your original question, no, Virginia Tech has, has done a pretty good job on the recruiting trail so far. Um, there's like, what, 16 commitments now? 17? 16 or 17, I think. 17, mm. and I think about half of them are from Virginia. Mm. So it's a it's a good balance. 
All right, we'll get into a couple fan questions, and then we'll get out of here. Two-part question from Wayne Kent. First, is Taj Bullock going to be used this season? You know, that, that's a good question. And I've always been against in the past. Like, Virginia Tech's had similar quarterbacks in the past for the most part. It's like, people are like, are we going to play Quincy Patterson? And I'm like, well, I mean, Hendon Hooker can run the exact same play, and he's faster. It's not as big, but he's even faster. So there's no point really in bringing in Quincy Patterson for one play when Hendon Hooker can probably do the same thing except do it better. Um, when you have different style quarterbacks, like like Bullock is is a better runner than the two guys that are ahead of him. He's cer- certainly a better runner than Brown. Um, so I, I could see a situation this year where he could potentially be used in, in some sort of a package because he's, he's so different from the two guys that are ahead of him. So I don't think it's impossible, but I, probably doesn't seem like the type that – he seems like a more straightforward Yeah, I don't think coach. he's going to be a guy that's yeah. going to sit there and rotate <laughs> yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah. I Even think he's just only, like, we'll I got my guy, we'll, we'll work with it. Yeah, um, Maybe we'll see Cole Beck a quarterback. Who knows? <laughs> he didn't do it at all in high school that I'm aware of. All those games nope. that I spent watching him <laughs> at Blacksburg High School. But um, Wayne Ken also says, will we get another iconic David Cunningham picture at ODU this year? Oh, Do you God, plan to probably. make the trip, David? Oh, yeah. No, that I'll, is a oh, great yeah, I'll be there. Especially because I can, go, <laughs> I can go home on, like, Wednesday and spend the night at my house <laughs> so, and see my, my parents and everything. For those wondering, there is oh, a picture of David. It's a television picture from the game. It's the un, it's an unsportsmanlike conduct photo. Was it on un, Virginia Tech? It, it was on for, unsportsmanlike conduct, Virginia Tech, okay. and the camera's right on David. Yeah. So the screenshot. Is, is, so my is guess is I don't I don't know. Uh, my shout out my friend David, <laughs> David Case. He went to Blackford High School. Yeah. Um, he uh, he took the photo and like of course it's probably like fourth quarter i'm not paying because you're down on the sideline i was down on the sideline because they don't because odu's field is so small or was before they renovated it that they did not have enough room room. so they put me on the sideline and so like i'm i'm what a sophomore or a junior sophomore i think yeah and uh and my guess is it was the Trayvon Hill unsportsmanlike conduct, but I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember what I don't. One. Oh, so I don't. Many. No, I don't remember because <laughs> I didn't know it happened until like I got a couple texts and people like people were like tweeting at me like, "Yo, like unsportsmanlike conduct." And I'm just like, "Okay, whatever." Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, even, I didn't even know it happened. Um, like that, I was on camera. My guess is they were panning to the sideline, but yeah, probably. But yes, hopefully, I don't know where I'll be, but we'll try to recreate it. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully an unsportsmanlike conduct on ODU. On ODU, please, there you go. for yeah. the love of God. Um, Michael Moore says, what areas on offense and defense do you see improving the most this year? Well, I would say wide receiver. Wide receiver. Just, just like because they were going down. It was like the development was like such a flat line. Yes. Uh, maybe even down to a certain extent with a few guys here and there. But like development had flatlined. So even like even marginal improvement is – in comparison, a yeah. big improvement, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so to me, my answer on on offense is a uh, wide receiver. Defense, I would actually say, uh, probably safety, because it's kind of a similar thing at safety. I think it's uh, like players were actually, in some cases, regressing 
yeah. it's safety. And so even if they're, again, there's just marginal improvement, that's actually a big improvement when you compare the two. Yeah, I think I might, I might go linebacker defensively. That, that, that would have been my Brent, Brent, I mean, Brent Pry's a linebacker guy. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because in the in the if you go back and watch the video I tweeted yesterday, Brent Pry's getting animated and – Somebody asked him afterwards, you know, was that you being a linebackers coach again? And he was like, you know, a little bit. I kind of slipped back into that. But I I think you got to remember, he's going to be calling the plays for the most part Mm -hmm. this year. You know, he's going to be kind of showing Chris Marv the ropes a little bit. Um, But I also think that, you know, Chris Marv knows what he's doing in terms of developing linebackers. Um, I, I'm really curious to see, especially with the same linebacker and uh, with, with Sean Quinn, you know, Keonta Jenkins, J.R. Walker, Key Lawson, those are three guys that can make a ton of strides, but they've never played the position before. So it's not like they've, I guess, have prior knowledge of it. So they're kind of going in blind, or at least they were when they made the, the transition um positionally in the spring. So I'm I think they I think that position will develop a lot. Um especially you might see with young guys like Jaden Keller, you know, who knows? There will certainly be lots more to talk about next week as practices continue, but that's going to do it here on episode 247 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Thanks, as always, to the crew, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist. You can follow him on Twitter at ChrisColemanTSL. David Cunningham, managing editor of TechSideline.com. He's at the real TheRealDCunna on Twitter. Myself, I'm Katie Six Adams on Twitter. Nick Brown in his new role producing behind the scenes. Thank you, Nick. Signing off on episode 247 of the Tech Sideline podcast. I'm Katie Adams. We'll see you next time.